Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Made space to look at this whole idea of grace. Who enjoyed looking at the, the idea, the person of grace? Okay, two of us, good. Well, I'll fill you in, the rest of you who didn't get to enjoy that. Um, we, we, we talked about what grace is, what God's grace is toward us. And uh, you know what? One of the most, uh, I guess, the physical examples of grace that we actually see is the changed life of a person. It is evidence to the grace of God at work in our community. Your life, as you come to encounter Jesus, as you come to know Him, as your life is changed, is actually a demonstration of the greatness and the grace of the God that we serve. And some of us may think that we've got a really great grace story or a good testimony. And some of us may think that we've just got like a normal kind of boring old kind of grace story. But can I tell you that every story, when we point to Jesus and when we point to His grace in our lives, is not boring. It is incredible. You may think that it's just kind of average or just kind of normal, but your story of His grace being outworked in your life is actually incredible. You know, the miracles that God works, sometimes we hear about miracles of healing Sometimes we hear about miracles of provision. Maybe it's a miracle of restoration in a relationship. Maybe it's one of the, you know, the greatest miracle, I think, is the, the miracle of salvation, where God takes uh, a person who is dead in sin, as the Bible says, and makes them alive in Christ. We, we know that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. There is a huge difference in that. He didn't come to just spray a bit of perfume on your smelly life. He came to make you a new person, a new creation. And as you become a new creation, there are signs, there is evidence of His grace in your life. And so today, our our, our sermon, I guess, for this morning is we're going to hear from a, a couple of different people that we think are trophies of grace. Trophies of grace. Paul says this to the Corinthians when he writes to the Corinthians. He tells them that they are the living letter from God. What does that mean? It means that when people look at your life, they're actually reading the story of God being written in your life. It's not the building, although we, you know, we've been blessed with a great building, that's going to draw people to Jesus. It's not necessarily the, the, the music or, or our, our, our abilities that are going to do that. It's the grace of God being outworked in our lives. And he says, if you want an example of what grace looks like, look at the people of the church. I say this to people, if you want to know what our church is like, have a chat to someone in our church. Because they are the, the letter, they are the, the example, the demonstration of what God is doing in this place. So uh, this is from 1 Peter 3.15, and, and I guess in, in the time that this was written, there was a lot of stuff happening in the world. Maybe it's kind of similar to what we're experiencing right now. There was persecution, there was division, there was all these things that were happening in the, the lives of Christians particularly. 
And Peter, when he writes to the church, he, he basically tells them, don't, don't live like that. Don't get revenge. Don't, don't try and, you know, kind of stoop to the level of everyone else where they're just getting angry and they're just speaking negativity and they're just kind of tearing things down. He says in 1 Peter, Peter 3.15, instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. If someone asks you why you have hope as a Christian, he says, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to give an answer for the great hope that you have. And I wonder sometimes if we are ready to give an answer. If we're ready to, to tell people about why it is and what it is that has changed our lives. Are you ready to give an answer for the hope that you have? And I don't think that necessarily means write up a script and keep it in your back pocket. So that if someone ever asks you, you can pull out a three-page uh, novel on what happened in your life. But just know to, to have your story ready, to be looking for stories in your life where God is doing something, where His grace is at work, that you can then share with others. And we can see that our, our world right now is being bombarded with negativity. Every single news story that you hear is just about negativity, it's about bad news, it's about difficulty, it's about the, all of these different things that are happening. And, and it's not hard to turn the TV on and then want to turn it straight back off, is it? Because you're just getting bombarded with all of this stuff. I think it, it, when Peter says this to the church, I think he's saying, you know what, all of that negativity, let's be a different voice. Let's speak about the goodness of God. Let's proclaim that He is actually risen. And in all of the darkness, His light is still shining. And we may see these little glimpses of His of his uh, grace in our work, in our, in our world, but give voice to it. When you get together, it actually says to encourage each other with these stories. Encourage each other with the, the stories of what God is doing in your life. When was the last time we just went and took someone out or we sat down with someone and we just shared about what God was actually doing in our hearts? Maybe this week you can do that. Maybe this week you can sit with someone as you're talking, as you're having a conversation. Share with them what God is doing in your life. And if you're thinking, well, I don't really have any kind of story. I don't really know what God is doing in my life. Then perhaps just need to open our eyes a little bit to see. Sometimes it's like a real little glimpse that you'll get that He's working. But guess what? If you are a child of God, if you are a disciple of God, you to know that, I know that. Because it's that He will be with you. He will never leave you. And even though your circumstances may look different to mine, I know He's at work in your life. So let's have eyes that can see what He's doing. Let's have ears that are listening to what He's doing. And let's have mouths that are ready to proclaim and tell people about how good He is. Who loves a good story? Who loves to hear testimonies? Yeah, me too. I'm going to get up our first um, testimony this morning, which is Tristan. You may know him from leading worship this morning and from church news and from now sharing his story. Why don't we give him a big hand as he comes? Hey, everyone. How's it going? 
Wow, there's a lot of people here. <laughs> so, I, so when it comes to sharing my testimony, I think that there are certain points in my life where I can see God at work. Um, because realistically, if without God in my life, I don't know if I'd be here today. I don't even know if I'd be alive, to be honest. But, so, um, my story goes, well, I, I actually grew up in a home with parents who went to church and decided at six to, to give my life to, to pray the prayer, to give my life to Jesus. Now, I don't know if I truly knew what it meant back then. I think I understand a bit more what it does mean now. Um, but I can just see um, what God has brought me through. He has brought me through... Um, he is bringing, also continuing to bring me through uh, things like addiction, depression, anxiety, and I, I'm just forever thankful for him. Uh, one testimony in particular, I remember last year we prayed as a life group that I would get work because I'd spent years on just like uh, Centrelink payments and stuff like that, and I think part of that was my own responsibility, admittedly. But I managed to get work um, in public schools doing relief EA work and stuff like that. And last year, I think I got to a stage where I was filling up four to five days a week of work. And so for me, that was a true testimony because it meant that uh, I could eventually like get off government payments and stuff like that. It meant that I wasn't just sitting home alone just or just sitting at home, just not doing anything, just feeling bad for that. And... Um, there's also a whole lot of other stuff that, I mean, God blessed me with a guitar like when I was 16. That thing was actually given to me. I just, I, and for me, I can't fathom like why I deserve any of this, why I deserve to be here to, but God has, God has kept me. He has kept me throughout all these years. And so I think, I'm not going to say that that blessing will happen to people when they become a Christian because that's not that's not always accurate. But I think for me, the thing that has been the true blessing is that God has kept me alive and he has kept great people around me. He has kept... Um, this church has been a true blessing to me. I've had great leaders who have been there to lead me, to listen to me. Um, and so if you're here and you, I guess you don't know you don't know anyone or you're struggling, just open up. Just open up and allow God to help you. Open up and allow people, leaders from church to speak into your life. Because that, that has actually been my story. That's what's happened with me. That's what's allowed me, I think, to still be up on stage and do this or just to, to, to work, to, to do all the things that I sometimes take for granted. Um, and so I hope that this is an encouragement to you guys. Uh, like I said before, it's not one specific testimony. It's all these little things like Scott said. And because of Jesus, I now have hope. And I continue to have hope. I love hearing songs about um, like hope and stuff like that, both worship and secular, because to me that's a real, it's a real encouragement that things will not always stay the same, that things will get better. And I know that even if they don't, that God is with me. All right, thanks.
Thanks, Tristan. That's great, eh? Um, I want to invite Ollie Olivier to come and share. You may know him as well from worship this morning. I actually asked these guys last week and didn't realize that they were both on worship today. Can we give him a warm welcome? Uh, good morning, everyone. How's everyone? Uh, my testimony goes back in 1950s. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, my, a little bit of background about my life. I've been, I went through life a little bit, and as I grew up a bit, I just felt not having a father figure there. I just felt that I would never have that opportunity to um, even have a family. I had a fear that I would never be able to have kids or get married. Because the way the world was going, I just saw the opportunity in my life, and I was through depression and anxiety. But I just kept going. My mom introduced me to church also. As a young, I've always been in church. But my mom put me in. We just went in and out, so it was always like a twist and turn, twist and turn. But I kept searching. And then one day, just before I came here, I was going to, um, I believe it's Global Heart in Jundala. And my brother, I needed somewhere closer, because at the time I didn't have a car. So I couldn't travel that far. Um, my brother showed me Grace Life. That's when there was a, li a little bit less people. The chairs were a bit more empty. <laughs> um, I started coming here, and then as I started coming here, I met my lovely wife. And the first thing I just felt, I remember saying to her, is we need God in our life to get anywhere in life, according to what I was saying. Because I was going through the walk, getting baptized. So we did. We accepted that we came through. And fast forward, uh, I don't want to bore you too much, so I'll just fast forward it. Um, 2019, that's the highlight for me. Um, I had my first child, my first son. Um, legacy, little handsome guy in the back, you might see him. <laughs> um, he was only, I believe, four months. Uh, this was a highlight for me. But before I do that, I just want to share one scripture. This is in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3, I'll just read to 4, because it's a big highlight. And it's still, God is still showing me more in that area. Uh, I read, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war in the world, sorry, as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Uh, the reason I read that is uh, we met, we had a f past friend. Um, as we knew this friend, we went to visit them, and then for some reason she asked for a photo of our son. So we gave her one of the photos without thinking. As soon as we gave her the photo, because we only just met her, we gave her the photo, we went home. The week went past, my son was still, as a baby is, just playing, being peaceful. He was a quiet baby. And then one day, my wife was just struggling with him. He was just screaming. He was, he was not really, she was, he was a bit timid. And she came to me, I'm rushing, she came to me in the room. She said, darling, I've tried everything, but help me here. I'm going crazy. My son is just all over the place. So I grabbed him, and the instinct was just pray. Um, I started praying. As I started praying, I experienced um, just a heavy presence of, he stopped crying, 
a heavy presence of just um, pins and needles, like thousands of pins and needles on my body. It was really hot as well. It's, it was so powerful that I had to fall on my knees. I couldn't withstand the pain. And he was feeling that. He was only small. He was only four months. That's what he was feeling. So God transferred it to me. Same instinct. I kept praying. I dropped on my knees. And then I heard a voice say, you left something. Go get it. And I just remembered it was a photo I left. So, so I did. That same night, I went back to that woman. And I, when I got there, she had a, a teddy bear. And she pinned my son's photo to the teddy bear's chest. And she couldn't look at me. I didn't understand at that time. She couldn't look at me in the eyes. And I just said, I'm coming here to take that photo. I need that photo. Can I please have it? She said, oh, what do you need it for? I said, I need it. I need it. My dad needs it. I made up something. So she gave me the photo. <laughs> when she gave me the photo, I went home. I just realized that God said, we're in a spiritual welfare. Um, we must see things on the outer layer. But truly, we're in a spiritual warfare. When you see situations, you can't understand why is this repeating. Go in the spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you through that. Just press on until you, you, you get that answer from the Holy Spirit. Christ said he'll leave a helper with us to go through every walk, to, open, to, to lead you every step of the way. So for me, I just played with you. Just fight in the spiritual realm. It looks physical. It might be on the outer layer, but truly it's in the spiritual realm. Yeah, that's my testimony. God bless you. Thank you. Was that five minutes? That's good, man. Yeah, legend. Awesome. We're going to invite Kyle to come up and just share a bit of his testimony. I didn't reckon, you know, we were color coding the black T-shirts. Anyone else got a black T-shirt? You might get called up. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> Kyle, come just nice and quick, eh? Not a sermon. We went over to India, I'll tell you the context to that. We went over to India together and we were on a, on a missions trip. And um, I said to him, hey, do you want to share your testimony in a service? And uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get it all ready. And then on the way there, I go, are you ready to preach, bro? Like just having a, a lend. And he goes, yeah, 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 I'll preach. And he started preaching in the um, church service and it was going like 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock. No, it wasn't really, but it's just a little joke that we have, because I say, oh, you know, share a testimony and then we preach. Thank you, Scott. I don't even know that I was going to share this morning, eh? But because I've got a black t-shirt, so guys, watch out, eh? Um, I guess my, my, my testimony, like, it's, you know, I think it's, it's his faithfulness, hey? Like, he, before I came to Christ, there was no, man, my heart's beating, um, before I came to Christ, there was no like, there was no conviction, there was no desire to do the right thing, there was no, you know, drive. I was just living. I didn't didn't really care, you know. Um, and you can ask my parents and my my sisters, like they're there, you know. Um, I was just there was no there was no conviction, and all I can remember is when I when I knew that God was real wasn't when I said this prayer wasn't when I went to the program when I went to the program I, I you know I, I confessed him as my lord and savior but it was actually before when I was about to 
get asked to leave from this particular accommodation. And I just started praying. For what? I didn't even know. There was no, I can tell you now, there was no, like, I didn't even know who God was. I couldn't even, I was blinded because I, I couldn't see the fingerprint of, you know, his fingerprint on my life, you know, up until that point. And I just started praying because I had a guitar in my hand and I just started realizing, and I seriously, I couldn't conjure this up in my own strength. You know, I believe that God showed me that my gifts and talents that he has given me weren't mine. And they weren't even mine for me either. You know, and it, it was a kind of a long process until I started to learn more and more about worship and more and more about him till I realized that my giftings and our giftings that he gives us um, according to his will aren't for us. They're for him. And my story before I became a Christian, I was lost, I was broken, and I was, I, I, you know, I wasn't doing the right thing. And... And I think coming to Christ, he showed me that not, you know, he, he adopted me through his son, Jesus. And I think um, throughout, I think when I left Teen Challenge, like, oh, this is personal because I don't really talk now, but because I'm standing before you, what a blessing, eh? <laughs> um, I, I, there was a time where, like, recently, there was, a, you, know, a, you know, a couple of weeks, I was just going through this thing, right? And I couldn't shake it. And I pleaded, God, would you take this from me? You know, like, would you, seriously, I need your help. I, I need your grace, you know. And, you know, in, in and of itself, I was sort of asking, in a way, for a miracle. Like, you know, it would be a miracle for you to just lift this thing off me. For you, it would be a miracle for you to just do something here. When the greatest miracle already took place, you know, he reached down and he saved me from the start. You know what I mean? Like, that already took place. What more? What more joy could I ask for? And so recently he's just given me this contentment that I can't explain. You know, his peace that he gives is not as the world gives. And so, yeah, I, I didn't prepare, but he, he, he gave me this peace. And now he's also granted me the faith to look, for the, look forward to the things that are unseen in my life. And I hope he continues to give that to you too. Amen. Fantastic. I'm going to invite Isabella to come and just share a little testimony that she has recognized God do in her life. Can we? She doesn't have a black shirt. Well done. Can we give her a round of applause? Hello. Um, I'm here to share a thing that's happened in my life. Uh, so one night I was plugging in my lamp and uh, my arm got stuck and I couldn't get it out. So I prayed and it came out. Awesome. Well done. And she, she said to us after that, she was like, I know that that was God because my arm was really stuck. And I, whatever I did, I couldn't get it out. And so she prayed and God... Released it. Awesome. Now we are getting out of the black t-shirt crew. And I want to invite Vicky Follington to come with a blue-green shirt. Can we give her a round of applause as she comes up? Thank you, Scott. And um, sorry, but I am that person with the three-page script. 
when I share my testimony with people, I tend to leave things out, so I figure if I write it down, I'm less likely to do that. So, growing up, I knew about Jesus, but never had a relationship with him. I was a typical teenager, testing the boundaries and getting into all sorts of problems. By the time I was 19, my life was a mess. I was quite heavily involved in using recreational substances, and I dropped out of uni. I was also trying to deal with a difficult family situation. My parents were having quite serious issues in their relationship, and this caused my mum to spiral into depression and anxiety. She was quite unwell, she wasn't eating, she wasn't sleeping, um, she wasn't taking care of herself, I had to shower her, which was quite a burden uh, for me at that age. She became suicidal, and I remember having to call an ambulance to get her some help. She was in a terrible state and was admitted into the mental ward of the hospital. Watching my mum in the state that she was in was very scary. Her mind was fighting a spiritual battle, and when I would look at her in her eyes, it was like I was looking at something else. I wasn't looking at my mum. I didn't know how to help her. My dad was FIFO and was away working, and my only brother lived in Brisbane, so I had no family support. There was so much weight on my shoulders. There's also a huge family history on my mum's side of the family of mental illness. Her father lived with a mental illness for most of his life. He'd lost touch with reality, and his mind was elsewhere. I was afraid that this would happen to my mum, and she would never snap out of it. Um, a number of my mum's siblings had suffered from depression, including one who committed suicide. I was so aware of all of this, which made the situation even harder to deal with. I got to the point where I had no option but to turn to God. I knew there was no other hope but to trust God, which really I had no idea whether he existed or not. But I just had to take that leap of faith and just believe that he was real. It was a Saturday night, and I remember thinking that I would set my alarm to go to church on Sunday morning. I'd planned to go to the Catholic Church, which was just the closest church that I knew of. And my alarm went off on Sunday, and of course, I turned it off and rolled over and went back to sleep. Sometime later, so what, maybe an hour later, the phone rang and it was a neighbour who used to live across the road from us who was a Christian. And she was aware of our family situation and she invited me to come to church. And I said to her, oh, what a coincidence. I'd planned to go to church this morning, but, you know, I turned the alarm off and went back to sleep. So I went. Um, I didn't even know which church I was going to. All I knew was that she uh, believed in Jesus and I figured, well, that can't be such a bad thing. So I went, and during the praise and worship, as I was reading the words of the songs, I felt like God was speaking to me. He was telling me that everything was going to be okay. It was like the words of the songs were written just for me, and in this moment, God had forgiven me for everything I had done wrong. I had an infilling of the Holy Spirit. The peace and love that came upon me was just bigger than anything I had ever taken or anything I had ever experienced. And it was the most amazing experience in my life. 
from that moment, my life was changed. I saw things differently, and I knew that Jesus was alive, and nobody can ever take that experience away from me. I was so happy. Everything was possible with God. My mum was going to get better, and God had it all sorted for me. There was nothing to worry about. However, I didn't know much about being a Christian, and I didn't have any Christian friends. I only had the friends that I used to hang out with, which I continued seeing. I wasn't really sure how I was meant to live my life, and of course the enemy knew that and tried to bring me down again. I continued with the recreational substances, and about a week later I ended up in hospital due to drug-induced psychosis. I was admitted into one mental hospital and my mum was in another. Reflecting back, it was like the enemy had completely taken over my thoughts. I had no control of my mind whatsoever and I was admitted as an involuntary patient. I had completely lost, lost touch with reality. I can remember the behaviour I was displaying and it's frightening to think that my mind literally had no control over the things I was doing. About a week later, I found out that my mum had been discharged from hospital. I couldn't comprehend this as she was so bad and it was like something had just clicked inside me. Who would look after her if my dad was sometimes away working and my brother was living over east? I knew that I had to be back home. My friends came to visit me that evening and I told them about my mum. They agreed that I needed to be back home. I was an involuntary patient, so I had to stay in hospital whether I liked it or not. Of course, the type of friends I had at the time convinced me that it would be a good idea to escape. And they planned how this would happen, how they would each one by one carry all of my belongings out and I would run past and dodge security. And we did it. Soon after, the hospital contacted the police and I was filed as a missing person. It was the wrong thing to do, but I knew I had to be home and care for my mother. When I returned home, my dad happened to be home from work at the time and contacted the hospital and said that I was safe. From that day, I continued to turn to Jesus and my life got better. My life has completely transformed. Obviously, I stopped the substance abuse, I went back to uni and got my life back on track. All of my non-Christian friends witnessed what I went through. They saw how Jesus turned my life around and they even came to church. They knew that there was something real about Jesus as they saw the change in me. None of these friends have given their heart to the Lord, but I know seeds have been planted and one day their lives will also be transformed. My relationship with Jesus has continued to grow and become stronger. I started going to church regularly, joined a home group, and everything in my life revolved around God. At the age of 21, I met Alex. God blessed me with the most amazing husband I could ever have asked for. I was, well, I'm also blessed with five beautiful children. I'm always chatting to Jesus throughout the day, just constantly doesn't stop. That connection is there. And I continue to handball everything over to him. Sometimes I try to take things back and he reminds me that things happen in his timing and not mine. I cannot count all the blessings that God has given me. 
things that have happened in his timing, um, just completely perfect from uh, me working, um, having children, uh, things like, you know, I resign because I don't want to, um, well, actually, when I was working full-time before having kids, I told everybody that, you know, I wasn't one of these people that um, was going to be a stay-at-home mum, that I was going to come back to work. You know, staying at home wasn't for me. Um, I was quite work-focused. And so when I was pregnant with my first, I told everyone I'll be back full-time, yep, and I had my first, I went back and decided I was going to stay home. So I worked for a little while and then I resigned, had long service leave and had the next one. And I said to myself that that's it, I wasn't working. And within two weeks I received a phone call from a sister school who happened to um, have an online program and they wanted me to work a couple of days a week, working from home at the same pay as if I was going into school. Um, I'm a teacher, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned that. And, uh, oh, most of you know. And um, I thought, you know, jobs like that don't just land, you know, in your lap. You know, that was totally God to the point where I didn't actually want to work, but it was coming my way and I knew I had to take it and... I got to work, I got to take another two sets of maternity leave um, as well. Um, and even because uh, I was high school trained, I actually went back to uni again and um, did early childhood. And even then I had a, a time, so not last year, the year prior, where I had to do a big prac and, as part of my course. And Alex's work, um, there was a big restructure and it meant that his responsibilities um, had settled a bit and it was literally, a, like we could not even time that if we tried where that all happened and it was literally the week that I was starting my prac that happened at work and so that enabled to release him to be a bit more hands-on at home and you know when I was off working full-time for this prac. So little things like that, God has just been so faithful always one step ahead that even if we tried to plan things our way, it just would be impossible to do. Um, I've also prayed a lot and broke curses on my mum's side of the family, prayed that it would stop at me and of course that hasn't happened again and I've prayed that it would not be passed down to my children or grandchildren and so forth. Um, I just love... Um, I pray, during praise and worship this morning, you know, the first song, and it's like, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave, and that's exactly how I can describe what happened to me. It's like, Jesus called my name, and I ran out of the darkness that I was in. And I guess we can apply that to any situation, you know, whatever's troubling us at the moment, you know, He's there, he, he's always calling us and it's up to us to sort of take hold of that and come out of that darkness that we are in. Um, I love the scripture, um, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, and a future. And that's from Jeremiah 29, 11. Um, I just think, you know, when we do things our way, they don't always work out. And like in my life, it got really messy. And when we let God do his will, 
that's when we're blessed and that's when things happen in his perfect timing. And I wanted to share this morning because I know that you know, some of us or most of us do have somebody in our lives who don't know Jesus. And I hope that me sharing this story um, has hopefully encouraged you to, to just keep pressing in on Jesus. My parents are still not saved. Um, they're a work in progress, but I know and I know and I know that one day they will be and they'll bring people to know Jesus as well. So thank you. I'll tell you what, the, the grace of God, I would have not have known any of that by who you are today, who God's you know, worked in your life to be today. She's an incredible lady and obviously God is at work. You know, that's how strong his grace is, that he can take uh, us from the most messed up places and, and we become trophies of his grace. Incredible. I want to invite John, Ma John Michael and Paige, they're both coming up, and Gabe. You know, we, we dedicated little Gabriel a couple of weeks back and I said one day we're going to get him to share his story. So they're going to come. Can we welcome them as they come up and share? Give me a second while I just bring this up on the phone. Right, so lots happened over the years. We've done our best to condense it all. Uh, but before we start this testimony, I just want to share a verse from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. I pray our sharing today is heard by anyone who's needing to hear it, and that it all be spoken for the sole purpose of God's glory. Uh, Paige and I have been together since 2011. We got married after eight years in April 2019, and Paige fell pregnant with a little girl the month after we married. However, we unfortunately her heart stopped at 14 weeks due to a very rare chromosomal abnormality. It's, uh, the abnormality only affects about 1% of all conceptions, and our little girl had a variation of that abnormality. It's, so it's like a, yeah, it's a very, very rare condition. Um, none of our doctors have heard of it until Blake had it. Uh, two years that followed the miscarriage uh, of our daughter, were very testing for both Paige and I. We were given multiple health diagnoses that affected our chances of having children, and because of this, we had to do numerous rounds of fertility treatment. After an unsuccessful year of treatment, we were told that IVF was our next best option. Needless to say, 2020 ended with us feeling pretty deflated and confused as to why we were being taken down this path, and though we knew God's plan for us was greater than our own, it was very hard. 2021 came, we had a strong sense to join in the January prayer and fasting. We were both youth leaders at the time, and so this happened over youth camp, where we spent time away really diving deep into prayer and our relationship with God. We were a month out from starting IVF, when we found out we were pregnant. 
a true miracle. We finally felt like our prayers were being answered. We decided to do the uh, NIPT test, uh, which checked for the same chromosomal abnormalities of our first pregnancy. This came back clear. We also found out we were having a boy and decided to call him Gabriel Mikhail. Mikhail being the Norwegian spelling of Michael. Uh, a name we were both very attached to. At 20 weeks, we went in for our anatomy scan and were given the devastating news that Gabriel had severe case of what was at the time suspected urethral blockage. Another very rare condition that we're told only affects one in every 10,000 boys. This suspected blockage was preventing him from being able to urinate correctly, resulting in a very large and overfilled bladder, dilated uterus, inflamed kidneys, and a strong concern for the amount of amniotic fluid that would help Gabriel continue to grow. This diagnosis was severe, and within a few hours, Paige and I have been seeing pediatric surgeons and specialists. We were terrified. Uh, based on the findings of the 20-week scan, we were given the heartbreaking news that there was an increase in chance our baby may not survive the pregnancy. And if he did, his value of life was at this very moment unknown. There are many issues Gabriel could face if he were to make it full term. And if things couldn't get any worse, we were told there was nothing medically we could do at this point to help prevent any of what was just told to us. All we could do was sit and wait and see if he would survive the irreversible damage that was occurring. That weekend, I feel like all we did was uh, pray, read the word, and fill our home with worship music. Uh, as you can imagine, this was heartbreaking news for Paige and I and our families. Uh, the heartbreak of our previous miscarriages was rushing back to us and we felt completely useless. We knew what... We were told by the doctors, but we also knew our God and how much of a miracle Gabriel already was to us. We refused to give up on the thought of him being safe in our arms. Paige's pregnancy became high risk, and Gabriel had a team of four of WA's top specialist doctors looking after him. Ultrasounds were given at every appointment, which was never more than two weeks apart. The next 17 weeks were a roller coaster, and by God's grace alone, Gabriel's health and development was improving dramatically. Uh, an unexplainable surprise to all the doctors. And at 36 weeks, Gabriel's health started to drop again a little bit. And at 37 weeks, Paige was induced, and Gabriel was born. We had a few hours with him, and then he was taken into the NICU to be monitored very closely for the next week. He underwent many, many, many tests, and around day five was officially diagnosed with kidney dysplasia and stage five renal ref reflux. This meant that there was irreversible damage done to his kidneys in the utero, and he had no valves on his uterus connecting to his bladder from his kidneys. So every time Gabriel urinated, um, it would flush back up into his kidneys. Uh, with this diagnosis, an action plan was created. Gay was put on medication, and Paige and I were able to take our baby home. A moment filled with many, many happy tears. A few weeks ago, Gabriel had a follow-up test done, which unfortunately showed his left kidney was functioning at 0%, and his right kidney was functioning at 150%. The quality of his right kidney is not fully known at this stage, however, 
it will always be closely monitored in years to come. In this coming week, Gabriel will undergo a procedure that will assist him in preventing infection to his kidneys. And in a few months' time, he will undergo another surgery to remove his left kidney and create some valves in his uterus to stop the backwash of urine that continues to damage his functioning kidney. The unknown is scary, though the power of Jesus we're dealing with a two out of ten of what Paige and I were told to expect from the doctors. Gabriel's doctors have still no explanation on how he has gone from being such a severe case that may not that you may not survive to a child that minus having only one kidney is very happy and expected to live a very long and happy life. Uh, John chapter 14, 27 says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. We're so thankful for God and his protection over our child. A few church services ago, Paige and I dedicated Gabriel. And upon looking upon the meaning of his name, we found it means God is my strength and who is like God. He's a true testimony to his life so far. Gabriel being with us here today is against all odds and a true testimony is not only God's love and grace, but also the power of prayer and relationship with the Lord. Paige and I are naturally very private people and like most parents, we're very, very protective of our son. However, we felt it's so important that to us, we spread God's glory through sharing what he has, done, what he has been done and how much he has blessed our family. Um, and with that, I end the verse from Mark chapter 11, 22, 24. Have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Paige and I are now more than ever huge advocates of the power of prayer. We know without him, none of what we have now will be possible. We continue to pray over God's purpose for Gabriel's life. Thank you. Can we pray for you guys? Can we... Oh, that was... Wow. Can we, can we pray for these guys as well? I wonder if we can stand together just in agreement as family and just pray for... Complete healing and restoration. Complete healing. Father, we thank you for little Gabriel, God. We thank you for his life. And just as John and, and Paige stood here today and, and proclaimed the goodness of God over him, proclaimed your, your hand of, of, of uh, miracle-working power at work in the womb, Father, we pray right now for complete restoration, for complete healing in his body. God, we thank you that he is already a testimony of your grace. But we believe in the days to come that he himself will share that testimony from his own lips of how you have carried him through every season of his life. And God, how you have sovereignly and divinely healed his body. We thank you for the medical team that is, is, is in place already. God, we thank you that that is no accident 
accident that you've brought in some of the top uh, medical professions into his story. And God, we just trust him to you. We thank you, Father, for what you are about to do. And we look forward to the testimony being proclaimed from his own lips from this stage that he is a, a trophy of your grace. I pray for John and Paige, Lord, as they have all of these things that they have to walk through. I see, the, I see the strength of faith that has been developed already. And God, I thank you that they are so willing to, to open their mouths to proclaim your goodness and your glory. And we do pray that their story would help someone else, that their story would open up the heart of someone else to trust and believe that you are with them. We just want to pray blessing over this little man. We pray blessing and blessing and blessing, grace upon grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we thank him for sharing? That's not easy. He is a miracle-working God. He, he, he is great. And he is greatly to be praised. And I hope you've been encouraged today by people's stories by the testimonies of His hand at work in all of these different aspects and areas of life. You know, we have all different lives, but we have this one God, and He's concerned for you, He loves you dearly, and He wants to work in your life. And um, my prayer after this morning is that we understand that, that we recognize that, and that we embrace that. We are being transformed from glory to glory, by His mighty power that works within us. By His mighty power. So be ready. Be ready to give, give account. Be ready to share why you have the hope that you have. Why you believe what you believe. Why you can stand in the midst of trial. Why it is that you are still hopeful when the medical you know, report comes back. Why it is that you're still believing for the salvation of your parents. You give, be ready to give an account and point to Jesus. Let Him be glorified in all of our stories, in all of our lives. He's a good God, as I said before. And our prayer know that. If you don't know Jesus personally, um, don't leave this place without at least having a conversation with someone about who he is and what it would be like to, to follow him. Because we want to make sure that everyone that comes in those doors at least gets the opportunity. The response is your own. That's up to you, how you respond to the gospel. That's in your, in your court. Our responsibility is to preach the gospel, to give you opportunity to turn to Jesus and to accept Him as Lord. So if you've come this morning and you want any more information or you want to talk about who He is, we'd love to have a conversation with you. I reckon we should finish with a song. And that song, The Goodness of God. He has been following us. His goodness has been chasing you. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.